Episode 191 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the English actor Gordon Kay, who famously played the womanising French cafe owner René Artois in the BBC television comedy series Allo Allo. Prior to that, Gordon had appeared in other famous TV shows such as Coronation Street, It Ain't Half Hot Mum, Porridge, All Creatures Great and Small, and Are You Being Served? Gordon starred in all 84 episodes of Hello Hello between 1984 and 1992, and 1,200 performances of the stage version. In January 1990, Gordon suffered serious head injuries while driving his car during a storm in London. He died in 2017 at the age of 75 after suffering from dementia. My interview with Gordon took place in 2006 when he was about to embark on a UK tour of the play There's No Place Like A Home. I didn't become a, an actor uh, professionally until I was 27, so I was quite late in life. I'd, I'd worked in industry before then, yeah. one of which was a, a wine company, which is, was odd given that several hundred years later it seemed <laughs> I was going to be playing the French a French bistro cafe owner in wartime France. <laughs> These things, one can't forecast. And it's perhaps, perhaps as well that you can't, because you think... I mean, unless you're determined to do something. My, my determination tends to be about travel. I've just recently been to New Zealand again, because wow. the oldest member of my family was 93, and she's my cousin, and she has a son and daughter, and there's three... I think there's 49 of them over there, three generations. Are you a so busy family? Um, nope. Well, insofar as me, yeah. That's it? That's it. Really? Yeah. So what did your parents do for a living? My father was an engineer, and my mother, before I was born, was uh, worked in a mill. May we know what their first names were? My father was Harold, Harold K, K-A-Y-E. Mm -hmm. And my, my mother was Gracie. Say goodnight, Gracie. We didn't have that in those days. I mean, that, that, you know, Burns and Allen hadn't come along in those. Well, they had come along, but we hadn't seen them on telly. You know, so we, we never got to say goodnight, Gracie. My dad, <laughs> my dad would have had to be urged by me to say that. Oh. Do you still have any relatives left in Huddersfield? Uh, no. I, I don't have any relatives. I do have relatives, but they're, they're not in Huddersfield. Right. But we're now down to six cousins, and I'm the youngest. Right. But you coming from Huddersfield, surely you could never have imagined becoming a celebrity one day, did you? Well, no, I, no, no, th that's absolutely true. But, having said that, James Mason was born in Huddersfield. Yeah, right, yes, I didn't know that. that yeah. James Mason. Oh, right. Harold Wilson, who was a showman, is not a showbiz. Mm. You know, so, so maybe there was something in the air or something in the water. Yeah, what, what was it first attracted you to show business then? Was it a film that you saw that you thought, that's it, that's the life for me? Not especially. I mean, I, I was rather plunged into it by a mate who, who went to the local, then technical college, to the drama group, and said, you ought to come down, it's great fun, you know. I mean, you can help paint the scenery or pull the curtains or, or get the props together and whatever. Come down with me one night. We're here, you know, Thursday nights, we're going down. So I'll call for you, we'll go down. So I went down. Unbeknown to me, he had had a letter earlier in that week, and we went into the rehearsal room, and they were doing a play. He was playing an American film director, 
And he went and he introduced me to the director and he said, Mike, um, I've got a bit of bad news. Um, when the play, or before the play starts, I've been accepted in Birmingham to teach a training college. Mm. So I won't be able to play the part. But this is my mate Gordon, and I'm sure he'll be good in it. Mm. Uh, well, uh, well, <laughs> no, down on the trolley bus saying, listen, I'm going to say, will you do it? I said, I said oh, great. Um, here, here's a script. Go up there. Just, the guy's American. Just, just read that from up there. So I went up on the stage, which was all of five feet above the you know, the ground floor, as it were, you know, the floor of the room. And I had a quick look through it and then did it. It said, terrific, that's going to be great. You're going to be great. It'd be wonderful. Mm. I think what hit me then was being up there. This sounds terribly pompous, but yeah. I think, I like the view from here. This yeah. is okay. Yeah. And we did it, and it was funny, and we got laughs, and I thought, yeah. And then I was asked to do some more. Then I went across to Bradford, I'm nearer to now than I would have been in Huddersfield. But I couldn't drive. I used to go on the bus. Sometimes, because I get travel sick, I would take three buses to get home, you know, at night. <laughs> Luckily, with were every quarter of an hour. I would have to get off and wait for the next one and pay again. Um, Gordon, do you have brothers and sisters? No. Nope. You're only child? Yeah. And is it true that you once interviewed the Beatles? Yep. Can you tell me a bit about that? I was amazed to read that on the internet. Yes, there you go, you see. I, well, I'd be amazed to read it on the internet. I, I do have an internet facility, but I don't go looking for... Well, I, you know, I'm looking for things like that. Do you still have I, a tape I, of that interview? Um, there is a tape somewhere, yes. Right. Yes, but it would be on reel-to-reel. Gas-powered tape recorders and all that. Was it face-to-face? -face? Yeah. Uh, what there were nine the... of them in the room. It's a bit freaky. Huddersfield Hospital Broadcast, uh, which I worked on. There were only two people under the age of about 60 who worked there and we used to go around to hospitals and get requests and then on a Monday and uh, Thursday I think there were sort of record requests because uh, there were quite a lot of young people in hospital or in the TB sanatorium and things like that and of course Mantovani is lovely and Catherine, Kathleen Ferrier and yeah. people like that but they wanted to hear popular music they were relaxed which was good because I was pooping my panties the interv interview situation used to be one of us worked the tape recorder the other asked the question and this time they said one person only right. it was my turn Laurie had, had done the previous one whether it might have been Rolf Harris or Gene Pitney yeah. somebody like that Meadows Metamore Helen Shapiro is that your real name who would turn who would change their name to Helen Shapiro Doddy I did and I said you've just uh, recently done the Royal Variety Show and there's a selection of funny voices somebody said we would like to thank Her Majesty for choosing this and somebody said, it was spelled Parnell what chose us mm. we would like to thank His Majesty for choosing <laughs> it was ever so usable then as was the won't and I thought I don't think I dare do this they've given us so much time yeah. and I said obviously this will be going out fairly soon could I ask one of you or all of you as a group if you'd like either musically or just to say you know, to wish a happy Christmas uh, along the line you know, and a happy uh, Merry Christmas Happy New Year to all those in the hospital in the Huddersfield area oh yeah yeah and so they did I don't know this is John uh, I just want to say I've been in hospital and I hate it uh, but I'm sure it's a wonderful place if you are remember you're coming out when the weather gets better <laughs> and all that and I think oh Oh, treasure. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, I'll wait to repeat it several times. Did you get their autographs or have a photograph with them? No to the latter part, but yes, um, I set... We're still back at the Huddersfield Technical College now, and there was a rag magazine or a magazine that went out, and I did an article, and I had to submit it to Brian Epstein, Epstein. And I described Paul McCartney as tall, dark, and O-level English. Wow. And the only change they made was he, he got the A-level in it, so that's a change. Yeah. But I sent it off, and they signed it. Oh, lovely. Um, can you just clear up the confusion as to why your first name is spelt with an E? I know you've said it many, many times, but there seems to be two stories I, I read all the time. Is it equity, or is it because of the thing at the end of your bed in hospital? It's the, the, bed, at the, end of the, the, the bed at the end of the hospital. Yes, the end of the bed of the hospital. It happened when I initially joined equity yeah. and sent off my 30 bob, as it was in those days, pound fifty, And they sent the uh, receipt back and the envelope was addressed to Gordon Kay and I thought who are these people have never seen that spelt like that before I could write back and say please note the spelling of my name is G-O-R-D-O-N as it should be I had a kidney complaint and was rushed to hospital I mm. passed out I think and my yeah. father came with me and was sitting at the side of the bed when I came round and at the top of the bed, they'd put Gordon K. Yeah. And I thought, I'd keep it. Would it be true to say that Coronation Street was your big break? I suppose so. I mean, what was, the, for me, the big break? And, and the guy, I, I use the term loosely, still admits it. Uh, I did a couple of radio things at Leeds, because I lived in Huddersfield. And working there with Alfred Bradley, who was supremo of drama and things like that, mm. this this so-called writer eventually called Alan Aikborn. And I was doing amateur work in the Namon, and we had a one-act play festival in yeah. Bradford at the Playhouse, Bradford Playhouse, which is now the, the Priestley Theatre. And he was the adjudicator. So oh. three, for five nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he yeah. saw three one-act plays, and on Saturday he made his decision as to who best actor, best actress, oh. best play, best this, that, and the other. And he gave me Best Actor. Oh, wow. And he gave our play Best Play, and we signed shouts of rigged, you know, <laughs> from the visiting companies who came from other parts of the North. North. Gordon, which of the current Coronation Street cast were in it with you at that time? Bill Roach. Right. Forever. Uh, but I did have the joy when I was in it and did 54 episodes. We were in black and white four weeks and then went into colour. But to, to work with Violet Carson. Oh, yes. And with with Doris Speed, yeah, uh, Annie Walker, and with with Arthur Leslie, Jack Walker, and, yeah. and the the oldies, you know, the the good old uh, person, and of course with the delightful Patricia Feeney, yeah, who'd seen me in uh, at Bolton doing a play and brought Harry Kershaw across or sent mm. Harry Kershaw across, and that's why I was asked to go for audition to play her nephew. Long before Hello, Hello, you were, you were in other great sitcoms like Porridge, Are You Being Served, In Arf Hotman. Was oh, your, the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right, so it was. I beg yeah. your pardon, you're quite right. right. And was your preference always, do you think, for comedy? I suppose that what, that's what kind of led me into it, because I have a fairly reasonable ability to, to get the laugh, you know, to mm. find my way towards getting the laugh. Oh, yeah. In a way different from... 
I mean, I, I watch a lot of television, and I like comedy on television. I find a lot of the American, well, some of the American stuff very, very, very good indeed. Mm. Very well written and beautifully played. Frasier is my favorite show because it's done terrifically well. Will and Grace to a point. Will and Gross, I call it. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, Sean Hayes and uh, Megan Mullally are the, are the broad ones. The others should just play it for real. And they do most of the time, but it's the broad acting that I can't be doing. The Americans love it. You overplay a joke, Joey Joey it's up to the skies, and they scream and whoop and shout. And you think, no. I've got to be very careful not to, have, not to start an international incident here. I've been to 45 states in America. Right. By that, I mean I've walked about. Even if it's getting off the train and walking about on the platform mm. to the say all the board and get back on again. I've done that. So that's a kind of cheap way of, of saying I've done 45. I've only five to go. Gordon, was any other famous actor up for your role in LOLO before you got it? Um, I can't say yes and I can't say no. What I can say is I don't know. Okay. But I know that once it got up and running, and I won't name them, but I could I could think of six well-known actors who I used to say would put grand glass in my diet coke <laughs> to get it. You know. um, Was there ever any question of the cast learning French before you worked on the show? No. You never really spoke French properly, did you? No. Not that I could for any length of time. I mean, the one that one is asked about is the accent, to which I usually say, what accent? Because yeah. it's very much Yorkshire without the, <laughs> without the apostrophe. <laughs> the mother of my wife, rather than my wife's mother. Yeah. Did get my wife's mother. Can't. Cannot. We cannot do this. <laughs> um, but I had to be very careful not to make it into Clouseau. Oh, yes. Not to faff about with the line, which came later with the policeman, of course. Not that he was being Clouseau, but... Yeah who David and Jeremy, Jeremy and David, who wrote it, got three letters from three different language schools saying, what a wonderful character. Mm. It shows our students why, when they go abroad to Italy or Spain or France or Germany, that the locals giggle because they're coming up with nonsense like your Crabtree is. Did the real-life French resistance people ever comment on the show to you? I did get the emblem that a French resistance person was given. Uh, from the widow of a man who had worked for the resistance and with a lovely letter saying in it was slightly inept English but she'd written it in English I know my husband would have wanted you to have this oh. and I think oh what do you do what yeah. do you say what, lovely what can you think of you know? yeah yeah I mean it's it's had a lot of I mean, we had a great time doing it. Ten years, 91 episodes, the BBC's biggest international selling sitcom. You must have wondered when you were making it how different your life would have been had Germany won the war. Um, well, there are people in Germany who think they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no the, the thing about it is there are those, we don't get too political, but there are, there are people who go to Germany, which I shall be going to as soon as I finish this play. Actually. Really? Yeah. To do what? Oh, for a little break. Oh, okay. I'm going on a Rhine cruise, briefly. Be funny if the Germans recognise you. Well, they could, because it's shown in Germany now. They were yeah. amongst the last to get it. But it's in, we're in three figures, countries. It's a hundred yeah. and some countries oh. in So it's, going for a quiet holiday is a long-lost uh, wish. Oh. Because the, the Brits who have gone along like you have as a traveller, so, oh, look what it is. Oh, yeah. And they want, they, they think I make it up, you see. Go on, do five minutes. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, I bet you've been plagued by hello, hello catchphrases over the years. Yes, wrongly interpreted, of course. I, I use that phrase. Yes, yeah. they give you the wrong ones, yeah? Well, they, they come and say, listen very carefully, I am only going to say this one time. <laughs> and you think, no. And those who say, hello, 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 I said, no, that's the police program. Yeah. What's been the most bizarre occasion on which you've been recognised and quoted something at? Well, it wasn't really a, a something at. I, I was doing a PA in Singapore. Yeah. And it was top-notch stuff at one of the Hyatt hotels who were reopening their ballroom. And would Mr. K, would I go along, al along with a, a friend, if you yeah. like, you know, mm -hmm. so I took my mate with me, um, to this, and we were housed in the hotel. And it was a very special, remarkable dinner. And in between courses, there was entertainment. And I was between the soup and the sorbet, or the fish and the sorbet, or whatever. And found out from the manager who welcomed me, welcomed us both to this wonderful hotel, uh, that about 60% of the audience would be Chinese <laughs> and wouldn't understand English. And yeah. I said, well, oh, oh dear, well, I, I know what I'm doing, and that's all I really can do. Mm. I can't speak Chinese, and mm. there's a slight worry. Um, however, my mate was kept left at the table, obviously, and I went away and put my bits on. And you uh, dressed I up as Rene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. I did my 15 minutes, and yeah. it, went, it went really well. And uh, scuttled back to the table and sat with some, there were some expats there, and this guy said, you see the lady up there? And indeed, there was this not unattractive, rather large lady. I don't mean hooch, but no, right. fairly big. Yeah. But the shiny bits were real. <laughs> um, I'm talking diamonds, rubies, sapphires, you name it. And they said, do you know that? I said, no idea. I don't know very many of the locals. He said, that's the um, Sultan of Brunei's daughter. I said, uh oh. Hmm. Said, well, of course, he, he owns Hyatt. I said, oh, she's come to keep an eye on the job with you. Know. <laughs> she, did she laugh? He said, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she speaks English. Oh, oh, and so do the others, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Then I was asked to go back and work along with the, with the, the commentator, the compare, mm. who spoke both Sing Singaporean and English, but not that night. And he was a radio man. And we had a quick double, because the, the tickets had numbers on them. And the prizes were things like, you know, you pulled a number, a, a ticket out, and mm. it, they had the name of the people on the course as well, you know, who you pulled. And there's things like a three-month tour of South America, flying first class in all mm. directions and staying at four and five star hotels. <laughs> I've been very fortunate, you know. Yes, a, a lad from a terrace house in Huddersfield who, who doesn't live in Huddersfield anymore and in it, or in the terrace house. Mm. And the sun is shining here, and the reservoirs are still full. Um, but I've been very fortunate. Yeah. It is a little bit, I, I mean, other actors have say, said that, being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Gordon, somebody recently wrote to the Daily Mail asking what happened to the fallen Madonna with the big boobies. Do you know? Well, as far as the, the show itself is concerned, Rennie, who ran away with Yvette, got it in the final episode. Oh. The real one, uh, yes. the original that was painted, yep. is the property of... Mr. David Croft, who lives in Suffolk. Is it in his living room, then? I'm not sure where it is. I haven't been up there for a while. Right. The good thing about our rehearsals, they were in Norfolk, you see. We were yeah. based in Swaffham, which most of David's things 
were done up there, you know, the mm. Heidi High was done out at Warner's on the, the uh, east coast, south east coast, which meant that on certain Sundays, because we were up there for three, maybe four weeks of time doing filming before we started rehearsal, you know, outdoor stuff, French Norfolk, uh, we'd be invited to David's for Sunday lunch, yeah. which would make the rich hotel blench, you know, um, yeah. uh, the quality and you just wonder you think oh I wonder which Sunday's going to pick I hope he's picked me this time because he didn't invite us all all at once presumably though one of the disadvantages of becoming a household name through that show was press intrusion into your personal life how difficult did you find that to deal with well you don't expect it and it's like anything you, if you don't expect it you have to deal with it full on you know, yeah. or as best you can you hope, you keep your fingers crossed, you wonder if there are... I mean, you ac have to accept that journalists are doing their job. The fact that you don't like what their job entails, in my particular case, when they're having a go at it. The thing about it was that um, I did have some friends who were journalists. Yes, I know. You used to live next door to Hilary Bonner, didn't you? Next door, but two. Yeah. And therefore it was with her help that I beat another of the Mirror Group newspapers, because yeah. the people who were going to blow the whistle on it, and I got it into the Mirror on the Saturday morning. But then I had two shows to do, and I think with two full houses of the Palladium, and mm. I'm on stage first, the curtain goes up, it's the set, and the music fades away, and I come downstairs. Fantastic. And start to talk to the audience. And I think there are people out there who probably, for good or bad reasons, have read The Daily Mirror. Yeah. Um, nobody did and the second house when I came down for my curtain call at the very end they stood up that ain't so bad I'm yeah. doing the job yeah. that's it I know you, you supposedly can't remember anything about your accident but what chance of survival did the doctors give you do you know they didn't say anything about that right I've never been to, I'm not keeping that from you because no. no I remember I mean the sad thing is and it's it's, uh, it's a slightly freaky thing because eventually when I came away from hospital and repatriation or whatever they called it. Rehabilitation, Rehabilitation, yeah. Yeah. It sounds almost uh, <laughs> military. And went to see Mr. Rice Edwards back at Charing Cross Hospital, which is not in Charing Cross, it's in Hampshire. Yeah. Um, well, you're a southerner, why would you know where? Fulham Palace Road. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it should have been Fulham then, shouldn't it, really? Yeah. And I said, am I likely to, as I'm coming back from sleepiness and like to wake up and see things flying you know reliving the moment and yeah said, no no you never had that accident hmm. he said you're probably aware that or you probably heard on seen on television or read in books that the mind has a way of of keeping things hmm. on the back burner until the moment when it's going to take you by surprise and you shouldn't see things flying he said that never happened to you. I said, well, it did. It was in all the papers. <laughs> he said, well, of course it happened, but it didn't happen to you in that way. No, he said, you were driving along or you were coming to a standstill and, and he snapped his fingers and he said, and the next thing you knew, you woke up in bed three weeks later or two weeks later. Have you had any lasting effects? Not as far as I know. Mm. But my, my answer to that is, who knows what I would have been like if I, didn't have, if I hadn't had the, the accident. And when I go and work in Australia, or when I go, and I've worked in New Zealand, of course, since that time, I wasn't able to go to Australia in 1990 because of it, but I have been back since to hmm. the West Coast of Perth. 
And when you go then, people say, uh, how are you then, Gordon? I said, fine, who could be anything else? And I looked at, no, no, since you had that accident. And I said, well, it was a while ago. What, two, two, three, four years? I said, well, no, it's 12. Are oh. you sure? I said, well, yeah, I was there. I said, yeah. January 25th, 1990, 11.14 a.m., Northern Hemisphere. Really? Mm. My God, it seems a lot shorter time than that, am I? Mm. I said, well, I'm feeling okay, and I'm back at work again, and um, I hope you're coming to see the play. <laughs> you know, da, da, da. Do you think you feared at the time you'd never work again? I was determined that that wouldn't be the case, unless the doctors strapped me down with a straitjacket or something. Good for you. I yeah. would say that I went back to work sooner than I should have. I was back to work in less than six months. I mean, like 24 weeks. Because I said I would. I went to Blackpool and did ten shows a week there. But Mark Finesse, God rest his soul, kept the guy who was playing Rennie in my absence there. Um, and I said I'd do eight weeks, and I did eight weeks. Mm -hmm. I did 80 shows. Prior to Hello, Hello, you did masses of TV work, but with all respect, since it ended, you've not been seen on screen so much. Is that to do with being so associated with one role, or producers concerned about your health, or just are you cutting back on your workload? Who would know? I mean, you don't actually know what goes on unless you're in close cahoots with your agent and saying anything today, anything today, anything today, which I, I stopped doing a long time ago. Yeah. You don't know what they're talking to people about if they don't tell you. If they choose to tell you, um, we've got you up for this, you know, I thought you'd be interested to know, we're, you know, trying to get you in at the RSP or, or the National or whatever, you know, and I said, ooh, that would be good. So you don't know what is in the mind of producers who think the perfect person would be Gordon Cabrick because he had that accident. Mm. Well, he's been working since. Have you not seen him? You know, well, no, but I mean, what if he, what if he falls over? You know, mm. what if he collapses? Then where would we be? Well, you get an understudy. Um, you know, it's always in the back of your mind with any job that you do that you might not be able to come in every day, but you've got to come in every day. It's what they're paying you for. You get so much a week for doing eight shows. Do you think you've been given the credit you deserve as an actor, though? We're not thinking honours list, are we? Well, yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, you know, I think, you know, you've been overlooked, to be honest. I've had a This Is Your Life, mate, and it was repeated. I yeah. had lunch with, the, with her, God rest her soul, the Queen Mother, who was a great fan. Right. I met Princess Diana three times. Far be it from me to let you think that, it was, that I was invited to Clarence House for yeah. lunch with Her Majesty. No, it was BBC Broadcasting House. Right. There were 20 of them. I was number 18 in the lineup as she was brought into the room and she mm -hmm. came down, just smiling and talking. Then we got, she got down to the sort of, I was number 18, she got down to number 16. And oh, I think that was Jim Moyer, who was head of light entertainment. Yeah. And standing next to me, who was number 19, was Terry Wogan. And I'd been on the Wogan show a time or two as well, you know, helped him out because I lived handy, you know, hmm. to Shepherd's Bush. Um, and somebody, when she'd finished, she'd spoken to me just quietly and said, hey, what a pleasure to meet you and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then somebody came, she was with Marmaduke Hussey, who had been to pick her up, as it were, you know. And somebody appeared with a small tray with a drink on it, a dark-coloured drink. She didn't take it because she'd got somebody else to speak to after 
And he said, what would, what would that be then, rum and coke, your majesty? And she said, no, your, your, your friend here would understand better. It's um, gin and Dubonnet. Mm. Uh, you know, and Dubonnet. Um, your French friend here would understand <laughs> I blushed even more. Was she asking you about hello, hello? Not really, no. I mean, wait, kind of, but you mm. don't know. You, you find out very early on which I found out not on that occasion, on previous occasions I'd been introduced at, at charity shows and things, you know, which is where I first met Diana. Suddenly next to uh, Robert Wagner, who was all but dirtying his pants, and oh. he's wobbling up, I said, what's wrong? Because she's getting nearer, he's coming along from our right. I'm, I'm before him, and then he's next. And he was doing love letters with Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said, it's all right for you guys. We don't have royalty. He said, you probably get these, these happen to you every week. I said, well, not every week, but, you know, yeah, we're nervous, but control yourself, man. They'll throw a blanket out <laughs> all that. Anyway, she came along, and you know that you don't speak until you spoke. You don't say, oh, it's nice to meet you, or anything like that. And we were chatting for quite a while, and then she said, well, it's very nice to see you. You've made me laugh so and then she moved on to the Iran and to Robert Wagner. And yeah. she said, I suppose you realize half the female population of the audience are waiting outside for your orchestra, don't you? Um, how's the play going? And he said, oh, oh, oh you, you know about that. <laughs> she said, I do watch world. <laughs> I thought, I shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah. So I turned to, to uh, Rosemary, who was next to me, the yeah. girl who can sing without a microphone and be heard everywhere in Britain. Um, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember, I can't remember who it was that was in a line-up and met the Queen Mother. And he said, you just stare straight ahead. You're aware out of the corner of yeah. the right eye that you've come in. And there in front of you is this delightful creature. Oh. And she's got a ruby round her neck. Hmm. He said, as big as my fist. And I'm just staring at that. And I can hear... And I can't turn my eyes on the bloody roof. <laughs> I know, it's worth Britain. <laughs> no. Talking uh, of that, uh, uh, Gordon, bec because you, you explained earlier, hello, hello, is sold around the world, many people probably assume you're loaded. Um, how true would their assumption be? I don't have a ruby that size, and if I had, I wouldn't wear it as a line-up. I'm not a pauper. It was quite a while ago, he said arrogantly, that I get letters from the bank managers saying, dear Mr. K, unless. Um, I don't get those anymore. In fact, I've been surprised that my bank manager has taken me out to lunch more than once. <laughs> um, How many homes do you have around the world then? Just the one? Just the one. It's in, it's in Yorkshire. I don't exactly have a view of the Dales, but on a clear day I can see the edge of Ilkley Moor. Oh, that's good. And if it weren't for the tree and, and the moor in between, I could see Howard. I did 22 years living in London, not an original quote, but I became suspicious of air that I could see. Right. And I went back to God's own county, because I knew that that's where I'd come from, and it's where, whether I end up here or not, I mean, we mustn't look upon it in that view, mm. but I, I couldn't really wait. I waited 22 years. I would have gone a bit sooner, except I'm in the Grand Order of Water Rats, the world's yeah. biggest showbiz connected charity. And in 1990, I was voted King Rat, as the mm. order. So I knew where I was going to be for 1999, as 
past King Roy Hood said, if you're elected king, you stop working for a year. Yeah. You can't, unless you're lucky enough to be employed in London, you know, in a London theatre. Maybe we know what your home is like, Gordon. Is it like five-bedroom detached or something? Or It's a three-bedroom detached, Victorian Yorkshire Stone Villa. Oh, excellent. With a manageable-sized garden. And how much evidence of your career is there in your home? A bit, but it's, well, <coughs> a fair bit, but it's in a, a reasonably small room, my office. Pictures from the past. There's an alo-alo wall. There's pictures of myself and colleagues and the odd review. Uh, I've kept the reviews, but they're in the box somewhere. We're worth keeping. Uh, the original from Punch magazine, who did a caricature of me. Uh, the boss got me that. By the boss, I mean David Croft. Gordon, may we know if you live with anyone? Not as far as I know. Uh, <laughs> you may ask that, um, but I, no, I don't mind. Chum say, you ought to get a dog, either a dog or a cat. I said, well, yes, I like either. I'm not, I'm not allergic to either, I said, but you've got to consider them as, as, as living creatures. And if I'm going to be going away for three months to Australia to do a play, mm. or, not that I'm bothered about putting them in kennels, but you think it, it freaks them out, it buggers them up. You know, yeah. It's like putting your family in a, in a rest home or something while yeah. you're away because you can't be bothered. And you, all right, I could take a dog with me across the channel if I wanted to, but yeah. um, let's be, you know, I mean, a, I mean, I made a corny joke at the Water Rats Lodge one time saying that if the owner of Harrods changed his name to Mohammed Al Fido, <laughs> he probably could get a British passport <laughs> um, now. <laughs> um, it's a corny gag. Yeah. Um, Do we assume there's no one special in your life at the moment then? Um, Everybody and nobody in particular, really. Everybody okay. is and nobody in particular. Yeah. I could say I wish it weren't so, but don't. Yeah. Don't let's go into that area. Okay, fair yeah. enough. And what do you enjoy doing away from work, apart from travelling? Uh, watching my new flat-screen home cinema sound television set. Good for you. It isn't as big as the room. It sometimes feels as if it ought to be. You know? mm. It's just a nice picture, and I'm still waiting for the high-definition box. Which of the sort of celebrities that we know are, are friends of yours? You know, which ones you sort of socialise with? Well, up here we don't get a lot of celebrities. No. I mean, I do uh, occasionally, I don't watch Countdown, but occasionally if I know Jeff Durham, um, oh, yes. who is the ex-husband of, of... Victoria Wood. It's sometimes on there, because he's a very good magician, um, illusionist. Yeah. I don't mix with him, but... Um, I did courtesy of Victoria's producer go and see her on her second bout at the uh, the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, she's good. And it wasn't full, but it was nearly full. There'd hmm. still be about 6,000 people. Um, and it was the next to the last performance. And I sat with Jeff, and he said, I said, she still she still does the uh, the normal ending, you know, can't do it, won't do it. Hmm. She's just been voted the funniest woman of all time. Do you think that's... Uh well, who would be your choice? I'd go along with that, although I think it's a bit over the top, and I think she would think it would be a bit over the top. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't say I go back a long way, but I'm well aware of, of Gertie Lawrence, who worked with Noel Coward. Yeah. And uh, Hermione Gingold was, was a funny person. Mm. But it's, you know, I think Julie Walters is is a match for oh, yeah. Victoria and Victoria makes her a match for herself she writes for her she writes 
yes. for Julie. Oh, she does write. And she's not the best writer for Julie. I mean, Bleasdale and Willie Russell and people like yeah, that. Yeah, they've done a good job. Talking of going back, what chance of any more LOLOs on stage or TV in future, and how would you feel about doing them? Well, strange you should ask that. It would be improper of me to reveal what has come to light in the last seven days. Oh, yeah. Because it may occur and it may not, or it may occur without me, because I'm going to be busy with this play until December 2. It was a thought of something that might occur with a Christmas tinge on it. Right. Um, the sad thing is, being, being practicable about this, is that quite a lot of my colleagues um, are no longer with us. Yes. I mean, we've got Carmen, Richard Marner, Rose Hill, Jack Haig, Kenny Connor, yeah. uh, who have passed from us. But something may be afoot for towards the end of the year. Would you like to do it, though, if you could? I wouldn't like it to be done without me. Okay, tell me this. Of all the great work you've done, what are you most proud of? This will surprise you, I think. The best acting I've done uh, was in a short-lived, sadly, because it was that kind of a summer and that kind of a theatre that we were placed in, was Harvey. I played Elwood P. Dowd in Harvey in 1995, and we came to the Shaftesbury Theatre, and we didn't do the business. And in three consecutive weekends, 11 shows in the West End closed. None of them musical. Mm. And we were in the middle, in the second of the three, three weekends. To work with Frank Thornton, who is tremendous. I'm a great mate of Frank. Worked with him, obviously, in, in uh, Are You Being Served? And he was in Harvey. And, and what ambitions do you have for the rest of your days? Oh, it's Gordon K. The Twilight Years, mate. <laughs> um, there is. Paul Elliott told me when we first, when he first interviewed me, or I did my not quite an audition, but yeah, that there is television interest. Now, neither he nor I, nor I suspect any of the other bodies in the piece, can think that it's going to be a kidnap each week. So, who knows about that? But. And I don't know which which, organi which television organisation have expressed interest, but that mm. became something. I mean, I know that June Whitfield was approached. Oh, yeah. And she said, oh, darling, you know, allegedly, she said, not touring. But if, um, if it becomes a, a, a telepossibility, yeah. talk to me again. Yeah. But you see, she's a big ADO, is June, and that's very very hard to believe as it was with Carmen she was 80 God yeah that's right. no, nobody knew how old she was <laughs> she never told anybody and what about away from work though what would you like to do you know in the, is there any, any sort of ambitions you've got like climbing Everest or go up on a biplane or something well I am hoping next year to go to Machu Picchu oh right because I've wanted to go there I've never been obviously uh, and I'm, I'm kind of mentally tidying up before I do go horizontal and leave, no. leave the planet. Um, I'd like to go back to Bali again, and there's a possibility of that because I've met up with a chum at Hansing for 10 years, about right. six weeks ago, who was based in Bali. That was after the Singapore, you see. Has Mr. K ever been to Bali? If, he, if, he, if yes, would he like to go again? If not, would he like to go? <laughs> and the answer was he hasn't and he would. Oh. And on the air bridge going down, there was a lady with matching luggage, you know, Singapore Airlines carrier bags 
um, who turned out to be from Manchester, and she was hovering and waiting. Um, and I'd seen her gesticulating to her people that she was with, and she hung back. And when they got abreast of her, and she said, um, it is you, isn't it? And I said, well, you could say that to anybody, and the answer would have to be yes. I knew it was, I knew it was. And then she pushed away, but it is him, it is him. <laughs> she didn't say, you are the guy of telly, or the guy that plays Rennie, or you are Rennie Artois, aren't you? Or she just, it is you, isn't it? Which is an odd question, but we've got the right answer. Yes, it is. It is me. And he's him. And she's her. And you are you, aren't you? Don't let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> Do you actually like France? Um, or the French? The answer is interesting. Um, in, yes, I suppose yes overall. Ooh. We were, Carmen and I were treated to, when they, they eventually, the French decided to buy the series, Canal Plus, yeah, yeah. Uh, bought it in 1989. Apparently something happened 200 years before that, I can't think what it was. But they thought it would be a nice idea to give us lunch. Oh. And there was this bistro at the side of the Seine, right in the middle of Paris. Yeah. And they gave us what you might call a wartime lunch. Oh. Lentils and oh. strange meat. And, of course, they're your hosts. So you don't say, what the heck is this, you know. And you smile. And then one of the publicists said, uh, we're going to send you uh, to a specific place on the way back to the airport. And, of course, at that time, the Eiffel had 200 years on it and all yeah. that. And it was a beautiful day, blue sky and all that. And they took a nice colour picture of Carmen and I together mm. with the Eiffel Tower between us in the background. And then they rushed us back to the airport and we missed the plane. They wouldn't let, Air France wouldn't let us on board. And we could see people the other side of the barrier there and they wouldn't let us in. Mm. And they said, but we've got to be back. We're at the Palladium, you know. Mm. Carmen burst into it. I said, come on, settle down. Oh. Uh, you, what do you want? Which sort of, you want coffee, tea, blah, blah, blah. Got that. I said, I, w I will now go to the information desk and find out when the next flight is that we can get on. And we were flown back to Gatwick. There wasn't one to Heathrow that would have got us back in time. Hilary Bonner was there, saw oh. the difficulty, apparently went to the captain once the flight was airborne and said can you radio through to London to the Daily Mirror to see if their helicopter can come to Gatwick and Mr. K back to Mr. K and Mr. O'Bara back to London he did the helicopter was out on news so she tried to damned it yeah. and we got back we were late for the half but we got back and of course I'm first off on stage and Carmen is second so we did it and not even a letter of apology from the BBC um, or anything yeah. So the next morning I rang the BBC and that evening there was a bouquet of flowers for me and a bottle of shampoo for me which I gave to Tom because I don't drink alcohol. Oh. And I thought, you know, you were there, you damn fools. You know, you saw us struggling. You didn't say, but, 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 we are the BBC. You've yeah. got to let them through. Leave two others behind. If what? It's because there was a bus ride from where we were to the plane that was on the far side of the airport and all sorts of kabulas like that. Mm. So that was a close call, but that's say la vie, as they say and in, uh, in, in Preston. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to live to a ripe old age? Um, define ripe. Oh, I don't know, 90, 95, 100? No, 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 no? No, no, no. Another 10 years will do me. 
Really? Mm. You're still young. Ish. <laughs> yes, but you'll find out when you get to start receiving your pension. Yes, I didn't turn it down because I paid the, the installments. So yeah. Um, it goes in and gets used as, as in among the rest of it. Things are changing in a way that I'm a you become a fuddy daddy, and when you get to I'm 65, you right? Know, but you yeah. have these what are laughingly called or gently called senior moments. <laughs> Why did I come in here? Oh yeah. I've lost my glasses. No, you haven't. You've misplaced. When did you last have them on? Yeah. Go and look there. And they turn out to be upset. Well, what did they take? Oh, yeah. I don't know why I did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, but it's the joy of living alone. Nobody else knows. Oh. They do now, because I've just told you. But, I mean, people... And they think, what am I going to be like in another ten years? I'm going to have to have... It was a trip that I made on Aurora. Right. Yes, it was running at those those times up into the Baltic again with the mate that I went to Singapore just a very old friend a good old friend yeah. and, um, and I shall be staying at his place on the odd weekend during yeah. the tour when mm -hmm. I have to pay £120 for bed and breakfast in November hello um, what are they thinking of and you know they, everybody's a number now they're not real people you know, your account says that, what's your account number? What's your mother's maiden name? Yeah. What difference does this make? Yes, identity fraud. Yeah. I am, a, wh why would anybody pretend to be me? Yeah. You know, <laughs> how would I be pretending to be me if I weren't? How would you like people to remember you after you've left this planet? Oh, just that he made us laugh, which you, you use less muscles on your face to laugh and to smile than you do to frown. Yeah. What about on a more personal level, as, as a person? I'd, I don't know. I mean, they can, in a way, this sounds very offhand, they can think what they like. Mm. I mean, given the area that we touched upon briefly some time back, personal, etc. Yeah. The number of letters that came to the Palladium, um, which were seen first, but not censored. I said, leave in the bad ones. If there are any bad ones, leave them in. Don't take them out. Don't pretend there haven't been any. Mm. And there were two. Mm. And he did leave. But I suppose the nicest one was from a lady whose brother, who was two years her junior, had died on the Saturday night. And the letter arrived on the Monday at the Palladium. She'd written it on Sunday and posted it first class or written it on Saturday or whatever or dropped it in by hand and said he loved the show, your show so much and he was rocking with laughter on Saturday night because it was on telly on Saturday night and two and a half hours later he departed hence mm. and I thought oh. I mean one is sad for that happening mm. but you think to be able to gather herself to be able to write those words and ensure that it came into my hands so soon and I thought that's support yeah that's support I've never been a campaigner um, in the way that Sir Ian is, you know, yeah. Sir Ian McKellen is, um, and others. You dread that people are going to find out. Yeah. You think immediately of the family, I mean, at, which wasn't a surprise to some of them. You think nobody knows. And my mother knew. Mm. And she said, don't, don't tell your father. But, um, c'est la vie. I said it again. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact you'll always be best remembered as René? I don't think that's a bad thing. I used to say the good thing about 
being in a successful comedy is that when people do approach you, which they do because they, they like you and they mm-hmm. think you're a human being and not a la-di-da-di actor who won't talk to anybody, yeah. you know, turns away and says, please, my entourage will, you know, my security people will throw you out. <laughs> no. Um, that you have reached them and you're kind of happy about that. And if they feel comfortable, you feel comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, that's a nice thing. But I, I, I thought if I played a rotter, I, I mean like Dirty Den in a way or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah. And you happen to be at a theatre in the, in the interval in the bar and somebody comes up and says, you think you're a right git, don't you? <laughs> Stitch that, you know, and, and, and headbutt you. <laughs> uh, I don't think Les Grantham has ever had that, but um, <laughs> but you think, at least they come at you with a smile on your face yeah. if you're doing comedy stuff. Yeah. They like what you do and they want you to do five minutes there and then. Yeah. And I thought, the next time I'm asked to do five minutes, I'd say, what do you do for a living? Hmm. He says, I'm a carpenter. I'm a joiner. I said, well, you make me a coffee table, <laughs> and then I'll do you five minutes. <laughs> well, I can't. I haven't got the material. I said, well, neither have I. I don't make it up. I have it written. Well, it's written for me, and I try and learn it. <laughs> and the question you were frequently asked, you all look to be having such a good time up there. I said, oh, that's not right, is it? Sure. Hmm. Do you add lib? I said, why would we do that? Yeah. Well, do you always say the same thing? I said, no, it's different every night. Yeah. How's that? I said, well, it was different last night. Why? Hmm. I said, because you weren't here. The audiences that make it different. Yeah, no, we try and keep to the yeah. line. Oh, you get it wrong occasionally, but it's not deliberate. Yeah. You get yourself out of that. You know? <laughs> That's the thing about stage versus telly. With telly, they say, hold it there, please. Let's go back. Uh, so the audience at home don't realise that it's taking us three goes to get that right. <laughs> Gordon, thank you very much indeed. You're very welcome. An absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's, it's been <laughs> okay, then. To Thanks you. very much, Peter. Continued success to you. Cheers Have now. Best possible day. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 This is Peter Jonathan Robertson. I hope you enjoyed my interview with LOLO star Gordon Kay from 2006. If you'd like to comment on that or any of my other interviews in the PJ archive, you can find me on Twitter at PeterJonathanR2.